Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we get ready for the Jets showdown against Chicago. Andrew Cobb's hot start to the year. Plus, a look around the NHL, including Jack Eichel heading to Vegas. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki. Or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. I'd like to start this episode by, on a bright note, wishing a very happy birthday to a longtime loyal listener, the outlaw Adam Knight. Happy birthday, my man. November the 4th, by the way, is uh, a B day shared by many famous icons uh, Matthew McConaughey, Puff Daddy. And Brandon Rewicki as well. Sorry about the last one there, Outlaw, but hopefully you had a great day. I've actually been sick all week, so I think I'm going to be having a a little celebration this Sunday, maybe a a Sunday fun day. Uh, But actually, I'm I'm looking to hit up a place that'll have the football games on and some good food and drinks as well. So let me know your suggestions, by the way, of the best, I guess, sports bars to hit up in the city. At Brandon underscore Rewicki again on Twitter. But let me know where the place is. Uh, where, where's the place I should be heading out this upcoming Sunday with some buddies. And hopefully have a good time down there. Um, on a bit of a downer note though. I do want to mention this. I'd like to pour one out right now. To one of my favorite places in Winnipeg. That is no more. The Cornerstone on Osborne. Officially closed their doors. Such a bummer. I mean it was just a great spot to grab drinks after Jets games, sitting on the wood. I just had a great, me and my wife especially enjoyed heading out and having some uh, some drinks and some food at the Cornerstone. So condolences to the owners there. A reminder too to everybody that if you can, please support all the local spots here in the province to uh, help keep these places open because times are still tough for everybody. So uh, shout out and um, remember the good times down there at the Cornerstone. Uh, let's switch over now to the Jets, though, and, you know, a pretty quiet couple of days. Not a whole lot to talk about after the club's 4-3 shootout win over the Dallas Stars on Tuesday. You know, a, one interesting thing to look at, I thought at least, just going back to that game that I'd like to touch on here quickly, is a look at the time on ice, because the Jets had a, a relatively healthy forward group for the first time this season, and obviously, the big change with the lineup saw Adam Lowry 
Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler together as a I don't know if you call it line one, line two, line three, whatever. Either way, uh, one of the top nine, Lowry, Shifley, and Wheeler together for the first time. And we all know that, you know, there's a large section of the Jets fan base that gets a little upset when it's constantly Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler leading the forwards in time on ice by a pretty hefty margin to game after game. That was not the case in the matchup against the Dallas Stars, though. It was actually the trio of Andrew Kopp, Kyle Connor, and Nikolai Ehlers, who led the team in five-on-five ice time on on different lines. Obviously, that wasn't aligned, the three of them together. Maybe maybe it should be. But those three led the team in in five-on-five minutes, then followed by Shifley and Dubois, pretty similar in time on ice. And then after those five, it was Blake Wheeler, followed by Evgeny Svechnikov, who wasn't too far behind Wheeler as the sixth and seventh forwards with the most time on ice in the game. So a, a pretty interesting split there. And tough to totally gauge it too, because a lot of those forwards took time jumping in on the fourth line for an extra shift here or there. But, you know, by both time on ice and by effectiveness and the eye test, you know, the Shafley-Wheeler-Lowry line was probably the third most effective line that the Jets were running all game long against Dallas. Now, I'm not saying that Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler and, you know, whoever lines up beside them is the team's third line and they should get third line minutes for the rest of the season. I'm, I'm not saying that, but I think it's fair to say that with how well Dubois, Connor, and Svechnikov has played, as well as, you know, Kopp, Stasny, and Ehlers, maybe more so Kopp, and Ehlers and put it anybody beside them, there's no real reason right now for Paul Maurice to give Mark Schleifley and Blake Wheeler 22-23 minutes a night, right? And and once they go back to 12 forwards and 60, which it at practice looks like they're going to do in their next game against Chicago, you know, there's a decent chance that those three lines might be basically dead even in even strength time on ice. And then you have the power play minutes and, and the shorthanded time that, that might skew things one way or the other. But I don't really have any issues with that. And it, it might take a few games for a clearer picture to emerge on if Shifley, Wheeler, Lowry are going to be effective as a trio. But as it stands right now, those other two lines are looking really good. And I don't know how quickly you want to look to change those up right now. And if it means giving Shifley and Wheeler, for example, 20 minutes a night instead of 22. And and really more so probably Blake Wheeler getting his time on ice down a minute or two a night. That's going to go a long way by the time the schedule condenses and, and tightens up once we once the calendar flips over and we head into 2022. So let's keep an eye on it. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. I think in the long run, though, especially during the regular season, I'm okay with playing the, the long game and, you know, having a group of seven or eight forwards playing 17, 18 minutes a night. And, you know, by the time the regular season winds down and the playoffs start to begin, then you can go to, to 21, 22, 23 minutes for certain individuals. But so far, so good. And I'll tell you what, so far, so good for Andrew Cobb this year, hey? I, I think with all the storylines that have gone around the Winnipeg Jets on the ice so far, he's kind of got lost in the shuffle, hasn't he? I would like to focus on Andrew Cobb's start to the year for a little bit, if I may. Very, maybe the most quiet point per game start in the entire NHL for Andrew Cobb. He was the one that actually led the Jets in time on ice 5-on-5 five five in that game against Dallas. And he's been well above 20 minutes 
all season long for the Winnipeg Jets, just a guy that Paul Maurice really, really leans on in all situations, right? Even strength, power play, and shorthanded, he plays a he plays a massive, massive role in this team. And I'll tell you what, he's getting himself a hell of a payday once free agency hits. And I don't think it's coming from the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, is there is there a way the Jets can fit him into under the salary cap for next season? I, I don't think there is, unless surprisingly a big ticket finds their way out the door. But the dude is going to get his, and I, I'm happy for him. It just really is unfortunate that it looks like it's not going to happen in Winnipeg. I, I made this comparison when the deal was signed, and I think it still rings true right now. But Andrew Cobb is basically the Winnipeg Jets version of Zach Hyman, right? The Leafs loved Zach Hyman. They, they, there was no issue whatsoever with his game it was just you know what we got some superstars we got to pay and we can't fit you under the bill so thanks thanks for the memories and go make a ton of money elsewhere right that that's kind of what happened Toronto tried to take a run at, at the cup or I should say for Toronto tried to take a run into the second round but they took a swing with them instead of moving them earlier for some picks and prospects I, I think that exactly mirrors what we're seeing right now with Andrew Cobb that you know, the jack-of-all-trades, a guy that can play center or wing in any situation. It's going to be a really, really valuable piece for the Jets this year. And he's just going to have to find his money elsewhere, right? Especially with Pierre-Luc Dubois coming up as an as a restricted free agent. I mean, he's going to make more than Andrew Kopp. And that number might be... I mean, who, there's a lot of games left this season. But with how he's playing right now, that number might be a 7 or an 8 on a long-term deal. Maybe even higher. Who knows if he's... If he continues at a point-of-game pace. But Andrew Kopp has just priced himself out of Winnipeg. And it's too bad because he's been absolutely outstanding these past two seasons. In my opinion, one of the more underrated players across the NHL. I know everybody says, you know, the most underrated players are guys like Barkov, Huberto. No, no, no. Those guys are superstars. They're they're not underrated anymore. But a guy like Andrew Kopp, I think, doesn't get the recognition he necessarily deserves kind of just being under that point-of-game pace over, what, like 70 games now? His last 70 games at the NHL level, and he's great defensively as well. He's the Jets' leader, you know, if you're if you're into it. He's the Jets' leader in, in Corsi and expected goals right now amongst forwards for the team. So he he's just getting it done all over the ice. And I, I guess if you're a Jet fan here, enjoy the season. Hopefully a long playoff run comes along with it, and... He leaves town as a folk hero. <laughs> That's pretty much the best way you can go about it. I wonder, ultimately, you know, we we make the Zach Hyman comparison all the time. I, I don't know if he'll necessarily get Zach Hyman money, but it's going to be awfully close to that, right? Like, I think he's getting five mil on at least a four or a five-year deal. We'll see how much he cashes in during the offseason, but I'll tell you what, the Jets are going to feel pretty good this year, at least, in the value they're getting out of the 3.6-some-odd million dollars that Andrew Cobb signed for. It's just too bad the big guy's going to be out the door in, in a couple of months' time. But again, that's a problem for future us. We'll enjoy Andrew Cobb's two-way sterling play right now as it is. And the Jets will try to enjoy it this upcoming Friday against Chicago, who comes to town as the homestand continues. Let's look into the matchup right now. If I could sum it up quickly, Chicago's awful at everything right now. Can't score. Give up too many goals. Goalies can make a save. Unstructured. Poor defensively. Poor in the neutral zone. 
I think that's pretty much all the aspects of hockey that I've gotten into there. They just don't do anything right. And with the schedule starting to toughen up a little bit for the Jets, even on this homestand, you got St. Louis coming up. You got a back-to-back against the Oilers. The Islanders are coming to town as well. This is kind of a, you know, I don't want to say the free spot of the bingo card. It's more of like a must-win, right? Like, you don't want to drop this one and then have to try to pick up two points against some of those teams I mentioned. With how bad Chicago is right now, you gotta, you gotta take advantage of them. And I'll tell you what, I mean, Chicago does have offensive firepower. I think the goals for them are going to come at some point this season. Although it is interesting looking at the mix they have up front and some of the personnel decisions that they're making. We can get into that in just a sec. But I think they're going to score some goals at some point. But defensively, they are just atrocious. I mean, they'll make the Winnipeg Jets look like the Boston Bruins circa 2010, right? Like, when you talk about the hallmarks of a bad defensive team, Chicago has that in spades right now. I mean, their forwards constantly cheat, fail to backcheck, are not tough on the puck defensively. Their defensemen, you know, even with Seth Jones, they struggle to get the puck out of their own zone. They're weak in puck battles. I mean, it's... I've watched a couple of Chicago games, and it's just a tough go for them right now. On top of it, you know, it looks to me at least, and I think the past couple of seasons of evidence would back this up as well, but it looks like Jeremy Colleton is in over his head as a head coach. I, I mean, with everything that's going on with that organization right now, I, I, I don't think they make a change anytime soon, but it's it's clear to me that he's just not the answer right now, and They'll need to improve behind the bench, no doubt, if they want to take that leap back to playoff contention like they hoped they were at the start of the season. But they're just, they're really, really leaky. And this is a game where the Jets very well could potentially put up a 5 or a 6 or a 7 spot. Because I don't think it's getting any better for Chicago anytime soon. On top of that, the goalies just haven't made too many saves this year. Either one of them, right? I know the defense isn't helping them out at all, but... Marc-Andre Fleury gave up a couple weak ones in that game against Carolina earlier this week. Kevin Lankinen has looked like a shell of himself compared to a, a pretty amazing rookie season that he had last year, right? Like, it just everything that could go wrong is going wrong for Chicago right now. So you look at this game, yeah, this is one that the Jets 100% have to take it and 100% have to hit the score sheet a decent amount in this one. Interesting up front for Chicago, though. Dylan Strome, the former number three overall pick. Yeah, he was the number, right? Number three. It was, yeah, McDavid, Eichel, Strome, then Mitch Marner, Hannafin, Provorov, Linda, all-star, all-star, all-star. <laughs> Dylan Strome has been a healthy scratch for the majority of the season for Chicago. He's only gotten into four of their games. He's got one assist. By, by the sounds of it, he's actually looked not too bad in the games that he's actually been able to play in, but he's just, for whatever reason, not being given a chance by the coaching staff. I mean, he's only 24 years old. You look at some of the guys in the lineup ahead of him right now. I mean, do you really need Ryan Carpenter at 30 years old to give you one point in eight games over Dylan Strome? You need Mike Hardman, one point in six games. Kurashev, three points in 10. Jujar Kara, no points. I can go on and on here. There's a lot of guys that Dylan Strome, I think, is a lot more talented than. But he just can't crack the lineup for whatever reason. We'll keep an eye and see if he gets into game action 
against the Jets on Friday, but it does feel like this is the beginning of the end for Dylan Strom in Chicago. He's going to be on to his third team, I think, sometime sooner than later. I mean, the the price doesn't sound like it's all that much to get him either. Maybe just like a mid-round draft selection. I don't know if Chicago's interested in trading in division, but yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind taking a shot on, on a guy like Dylan Strom to maybe find his spot in the lineup playing beside some skilled players. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll see if he's on the ice in Winnipeg Friday. But I think more importantly, we'll see where he uh, might ultimately end up somewhere else in the NHL sometime soon. Now we'll get to the big, big, big hockey news of Thursday, the trade that finally happened, Jack Eichel heading to Vegas. We'll get into that and maybe see if the Winnipeg Jets should have got in on that once the trade package was revealed. But before we get to that, do want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings because DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered with another big week on the gridiron up ahead down south. The New York Jets couldn't quite complete the comeback against the Indianapolis Colts, but maybe you could make some big money this upcoming week. All you have to do is bet $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. 5 bucks gets you 200 All you have to do is pick the winning team. Also, if Sportsbook isn't available in your states, remember, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. They have their huge, huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply, see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So the big news, Jack Eichel, after months and months of speculation, is finally out of Buffalo. The Sabres finally pulled the trigger. And no surprise to me, at least, maybe to some others, but Vegas once again dips their toes into the superstar trade market. They grab another big name. And it doesn't cost them a whole lot to get it done either. The price, Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, Vegas's highly coveted, highly touted number one prospect, 17th overall pick a couple of seasons back. A first round pick and then a second rounder next year. Buffalo sends a third rounder in that same year back to Vegas. So, I mean, those two picks might end up being pretty close to each other. Essentially, the main package, though, is Tuck, Krebs, and a first round pick. And I'm really, really surprised at how many people are saying, no, this isn't this isn't a bad job by Kevin Adams and the Buffalo Sabres in this deal. Did we all... Did we all forget the Ryan O'Reilly trade a few years ago? How did, how did that one work out for Buffalo? Oh yeah, none of those players are playing all that much for them right now. Certainly not as well as Ryan O'Reilly did for the St. Louis Blues the first year after the trade happened. And Jack Eichel is a much more dynamic, skilled, elite offensive centerman than Ryan O'Reilly is for, for all the good that he does while he's out there on the ice. 
I mean, I feel like people are grading this almost on like a buffalo curve. Like, oh, the Sabres didn't get totally swindled here. That must mean it's a good trade for them. I mean, for a superstar, I know, and I know the context around the trade. The injury, the potential question marks with the surgery, leverage wasn't all that high for the Sabres. Like, I, I get all that. But I mean, come on, when Jack Eichel is healthy and ready to go, you're talking about a 90 to 100 point player, and he was doing that in Buffalo, where everybody goes to die. Imagine what he can do in Vegas with a guy like Mark Stone out there on his wing. I I just feel like, again, people are underestimating how much value superstar players can bring to a team on the ice. And on top of that, I think Vegas... Something they've done very well as they've continued this medio- mediocre, this meteoric rise since they became a franchise a couple of seasons ago. I think what the Knights have done better than any team in the NHL is explore a market inefficiency. And it kind of goes for hockey executives and I think fans as well. But I think Vegas realizes that, you know, everybody overrates prospects way too highly. It's just that simple. Every team thinks the guys that they drafted are going to be superstars. They think their first round pick is a no doubt about a top line guy. Hell, our second round pick is a future all-star. And our third round pick is going to be a middle six player or a top four defenseman sometime soon. The harsh truth of it is, though, that not a lot of these guys go on to be impact players. They, They just don't. And even though Peyton Krebs is is highly touted and and seems to be, you know, a really, really good potential offensive player in the future. There are huge question marks as to how effective he can ultimately be at the NHL level. And and even when he did play with Vegas, he, you know, didn't look, didn't look all that outstanding either. Right. And then Alex Tuck is, is a good player, but, but not a great one. Not, not somebody that moves the needle. I mean, you'd probably call him a, a good second line forward, I think, but but definitely not a top line guy. And a first round pick that is in all likelihood going to be in the late 20s, right? Like in, in all reality, that pick is much closer to being a second rounder than it is to a first rounder. That to me is a really woeful return for a talent like Jack Eichel. I just don't get it from Buffalo's side of things. You waited this long. Why not wait it out a little bit longer to see if that return Bumps up a little bit, right? We saw the same thing happen with Joe Sackick and Matt Duchesne. And, and hey, to be to be fair, I was one of the people that was on Joe Sackick. Why aren't you moving him, right? Like, just get it done. Take what you can. But he waited it out, waited it out. And that move has really got a long way in making the Avalanche the powerhouse team that they are right now. And I just, I really think that, look, if you weren't going to do the deal at the draft when teams had more cap space potentially more options on the table for you, then just wait it out until somebody blows you away with an offer. What Vegas sent over there, to me, is not a blow-you-away trade. We have to do this right now for our former captain, former superstar, former face of the franchise. I I just think that's one they could have waited on. And the fans would have hated it. The media would have got on them. But it would have been the right thing to do for the franchise. I just think maybe there was an element of panic here with Buffalo just taking what they could at the moment instead of continuing to play the long game here and trying to get the best haul for your franchise. So, I mean, if I had to grade a winner, obviously I'm giving the big, big edge to Vegas in this one. 
we'll see though what it ultimately costs the Knights down the road because you know they're a good ten million dollars over the cap right now. Now Stone Eichel and Pacioretty are all on long-term injured reserve, but they're going to have to move. You know, in my opinion, Riley Smith is out the door, upcoming UFA, but but somebody else as well, and it might end up being Max Pacioretty on top of it. So we'll see what the trickle-down effect of acquiring a guy like Jack Eichel is. But I, I just, I love the way Vegas operates. Yeah, it's like they own a video game and there's no consequences for the future. But I'll tell you what, they go out there and they get the big names. And and we'll see if it pays off. But I also think it's fair too that if you look at their last two playoff exits, you know, while they can get deep in the playoffs, I don't know if they're going to go all the way without a no doubt about it number one guy down the middle. I think that's what was missing for them these past two runs. And I think it's ultimately why they were eliminated. And now you have that. Now you have a guy that when offense dries up and the going gets tough in the postseason, he can make a play and win you a game, win you a couple of games, maybe even win you a series with game-breaking skill like that. So love, love, love the move by Vegas. Not a big fan of it whatsoever by the Buffalo Sabres. Now, why don't we have some fun here before we wrap up the episode? And it's purely fantasy, gaga, crazy island talk right now, but do you think maybe the Winnipeg Jets should have got in on this for the price that was paid, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know how you necessarily make it fit under the salary cap necessarily, but I'll, hey, I'll tell you what, from a Flyers fan perspective, I'm pissed off that the Flyers didn't throw way more than what the Golden Knights did to get Jack Eichel into town. I 100% would be okay with parting with multiple pieces to get that deal done but you know let's just say for example that the Winnipeg Jets were able to get into serious discussions about this and they were you know between them and Vegas here maybe Jack Eichel could find a way to come to Winnipeg if you're looking at what Vegas gave up Alex Tuck is maybe Andrew Kopp a similar comparison to Alex Tuck you might, you might even say Cop might be a bit more valuable than than Tuck, right? Because Cop, a little more production, can play center as well. But I, I think either way, pretty comparable as a potential piece in a trade. Peyton Krebs, the top prospect for the Golden Knights. Well, who's the top prospect here in Winnipeg? I would say Cole Perfetti or or maybe even Avili Hainala. So th- this is where people are going to bristle at this. But if it was, say... Andrew Kopp, Cole Perfetti in a first-round pick. Would you do that trade for Jack Eichel? I think a lot of people wouldn't because the allure of the potential of a guy like Cole Perfetti. Um, I I would probably do it. I'd probably pull the trigger. If it was really, I'll tell you what, if it was really Hainala instead of Perfetti, yeah, 100% I'm doing that trade and I'm not thinking about it whatsoever. Uh, but even if it was Cole Perfetti, I would think long and hard about that one just because... And again, it's a moot point because it didn't happen. But just imagine the Winnipeg Jets with Shifley, Eichel, Dubois down the middle as your top three centers. And then Adam Lowry centers the fourth line, right? Like, sure, you would give up a ton of depth even if you had to add in another wing piece or another defensive piece as well. But do you need wingers when your centers are Shifley, Shifley, Eichel, and Dubois, right? I, I I wouldn't have minded it whatsoever. I think a lot of people... Would be against me on this one, but hey, let me know on Twitter at Brandon underscore Wiki if the Jets could have made or should have made a run at Jack Eichel. Would you have been okay with a uh, a package of Cop, 
Perfetti or Hainala and a first-round pick and maybe some other pieces that go the other way as well. Uh, I mean, again, a moot point. Don't have to worry about it. Jets may have to worry about it, though, potentially in another Western Conference final if they go up against the Golden Knights once again. But uh, just like the uh, Andrew Cobb upcoming free agency, that's a problem for future us. We'll worry about that when we get there. Uh, but that's going to do it for the episode here. We'll wrap it up there. We're back at it on Tuesday. Uh, looking at a couple games for the Jets, actually. We got the game against Chicago on Friday. Don't know if we'll spend a ton of time on that one. We definitely will get to the game after that, though. That'll be against the New York Islanders on Saturday night. And then a game against the Blues on Tuesday. So we'll break down a couple of games against Chicago and the Islanders and get ready for a divisional matchup against St. Louis. That's coming up when we return on Tuesday. But again, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Verwicki. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Peace.